listener, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Coco and Dalts podcast. We're real people, and we do real reviews on all sorts of streaming things. I'm not Coco. And I'm not Dalts. And I'm still on allergy meds and also have the very trailer-like, movie trailer-like voice going on. In a world where Coco is reviewing movies. In a world with a high pollen count. In a world (laughs) with allergies. (laughs) So what are we talking about in this episode of the podcast, Coco? Today we are reviewing Bad Vegan. Not you. Not me. A four-part docu-series which just dropped on Netflix last week, if you're listening to this in real time, which, why wouldn't you? Like I said, it's four parts. The first two episodes are about 45 minutes. The last two episodes are about an hour each. Uh, The docuseries is about Sarma Melangelis. She's a New York City restaurateur. She owned an extremely popular and successful raw vegan restaurant called Pure Food and Wine uh, for about 15 years. In 2011-ish, she met a guy on Twitter, as one does. Right. Initially, he told her his name was Shane Fox. It turns out his name is actually Anthony Stranges. Red flag number one. Right. (laughs) Oh, by the way, that's not my name. So uh, he told her that he's in black ops, which, you know, people in black ops totally go around broadcasting the fact that they're in black ops. Don't tell anybody I'm in black ops. Basically, this docuseries is a combination of the Tinder swindler and the puppet master. So he was, uh, spoiler alert, a con man. What? He, over the course of their relationship, he drained her of just about $2 million. He also filled her head with some crazy stuff, (laughs) like he could make her dog immortal. He's also allegedly more highly evolved, and there's some knights of the round table like Celestial Being Judgment Panel that was putting Sarma through all of these tests, and if she passed the test, then she would also be, like, immortal, and she'd be a queen, and the test basically you know, were like her giving him money. Yeah, give me money, you pass the test. (laughs) Right, exactly. Funny how that worked. Uh, So they ended up going on the lam after her restaurant closed not once but twice because she, uh, you know, was draining the restaurant of funds to pay him and she couldn't pay her employees, she couldn't pay her bills, so they went on the run and they were busted in Tennessee. They were both convicted of like tax fraud and various other things in 2017. And yeah, she lost her restaurant and the dog is still alive. So we don't know if it might be immortal. Yeah, maybe. Leon the dog. Yeah. Leon the pit bull. So uh, what do you think Daltz? Did I do? That was good. I, so I have some concerns because this is the third, uh, as you mentioned, we watched Tinder Swindler and the Puppet Master, and we watched Bad Vegan. This is the third uh, of these documentaries that we've watched involving a guy taking advantage of a woman. And I'm, I'm just wondering if you're trying to say something. <laughs> if there's subtle messages there. <laughs> you're draining me of all my dog walking money, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like your, your spirit. You're draining something. my life force. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> of all the will to live. Um, that's, I, uh, that's the next episode. This time. <laughs> that's the outtakes. <laughs> Those are the bloopers. Yeah. Hey, wacky stuff. <laughs> when Coco accuses Dalton of draining him of 
earns his life for it. No, anyway, um, I thought uh, this was uh, this was a good one. Uh, I thought this was perfect for us to watch because you're vegan. And I know that you've had some dogs and you've wanted them to be immortal. Yes. So when I got the alert in my email box that this was coming, I thought, I think we're watching this. <laughs> yeah, shockingly, this was a Dalt's suggestion, not a Coco suggestion. Right. And uh, I thought it was well done. I, I have trouble with some of these shows where the women just completely keep giving the guy money. Like that's what happened in Tinder Swindler too. And and I understand love and I understand, and I'm not victim blaming at all here. Um, but I just, at a certain point, like my sympathy goes away. So the uh, documentarians interviewed Anthony's first wife mm-hmm. who caught on much more quickly than right. Sarma did. She, uh, she got knocked up very quickly and they got married like three months after they met or something. So mm-hmm. she didn't have much time to vet him. But, uh, you know, he would keep telling her like, they're looking for me. And she's like, well, how haven't they found you? Like, you <laughs> She was a little bit more straight up, that woman. Yeah, definitely. And She was uh, no BS kind of woman. There was a Vanity Fair article about this case that was written... Uh, so the documentarians also interviewed the Vanity Fair writer, mm-hmm. and I read the story that he wrote back when this case broke, and he also interviewed the first wife, and she had a story about how one day Anthony tripped over something, and he held it up very dramatically, and it was a grenade, and he was like, oh, they found me, and she was like, that grenade doesn't even have a pin in it. Like, what kind of idiot do you think I am? So she caught on really quickly. It's like a and, paperweight or something like that. Yeah, and he figured out he wasn't going to be able to take her for anything else. And so he just abandoned her with, like, a newborn. And it sucks because you're abandoned with a newborn, but it's better for her in the right. long run, you know. Right. So she caught on. It took her, like, five less years to catch on <laughs> than it took Sarma to catch on. And it didn't seem like Sarma was stupid or foolish no she went to wharton and she had she had a very successful restaurant going on she was was a businesswoman she was living the life that most people who open restaurants want to live like restaurant the restaurant industry is terrible yeah not good for long-term success so she had a restaurant for 15 years and it was a good restaurant it was in new york it was successful it was uh, attracting celebrities you know like you said she was living the life she had a lot of success doing it so it's not like she was dopey or didn't know what she was doing and it didn't seem like to me she was very gullible either like in the other interactions with the kitchen staff and stuff like that and the other you know the investor guy the angel investor who was helping her out and stuff like that i didn't get the sense that none of them were really saying like well i saw this coming a long time ago just some guy to come in and take advantage of her like i it didn't really i didn't really get the sense that she was dopey but and for some reason like everybody has a blind spot i guess when it comes to love or commitment or anything like that and man she had a blind spot on this guy that was for five years or something like that. Somebody, I think in the Vanity Fair story, pointed out that he came along at the perfect time for him because she had just bought her restaurant from the guy who previously Mm -hmm. owned it. So she's already like one or two million dollars in debt and she had just ended a long-term relationship with the person that she had run that restaurant with previously. So she's in debt up to her eyeball, she is lonely, you know, she's trying to run this business and get out of debt. She just goes home every night and cuddles with her dog. So she was ripe for the exploitation. So this guy came along at, you know, the perfect time. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like a 
you know, I, I don't mean it like, hey, way to go, you know, but I mean, really, you know, she was she was at a low point in her life and he just exploited her and made it even lower. And that's yeah, and really then just unfortunate. Kept, just kept going. Like that's the thing. This thing just kept going and going and got, mm-hmm. and got, he got her family involved. Right. They started paying money and it just like, these guys are so dodgy and so nasty and so manipulative. Like I, I can't imagine, I, I guess I'm naive, but it's just like, I can't imagine there's still people like this in the world. Like how could you live with yourself? Right. I mean, totally. some people, I guess are so, determined to have money and power and and everything like that because spoiler alert he's a gambling addict right (laughs) and so there's all sorts of things that i guess motivate you to try to get money um but man the dishonesty and the manipulation is just it's really sad so i have a question Uh uh-oh you said that she's you know not gullible she's clearly smart Mm -hmm. etc etc do you think like she when do you think she actually caught on like do you think she was actually i don't know like what i don't know if she ever caught on like i think when she when the fbi or whoever it was ended up or the local police ended up catching up to them in that uh hotel room in near dollywood yeah right (laughs) like i mean this the story is fantastic um when they eventually got caught i think that was when she just I think she was ensnared so badly with this guy that she had no way of getting out. And then when she got caught, that was when she was like, oh, I'm free kind of thing. So I don't know if she actually really, I think she, I think she was a willing participant in some of this. Yeah, that's, so that's the thing is that, I mean, you, there's a lot of recorded conversations and obviously they have the text conversations Mm -hmm. and Anthony, for some reason, even recorded a lot of the last few months, like on video that they were together and she's like screaming and she's crying and he's worried that the cops are going to come to the hotel and bust them. Mm -hmm. So clearly she's like mentally in very bad shape and she does question him a lot, but then he tells her like, you're not going to pass the test if you question me, blah, blah, blah. But the very last thing of the whole docu-series was another recorded conversation between the two of them mm-hmm. in like 2019. So Spoiler. a couple years after the convictions and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they basically served like no time in jail whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it's just a jovial chat, like just catching up, like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Like, and there wasn't any of her like, you lied to me. When are you going to pay me back this money? I'm mm-hmm. $6 million in debt. You know, there was... It, she sounded like she was kind of flirting with him a little bit. And I was just like, what are you doing? Like, the, Well, I, w- I wasn't like, going to go into this, but I think maybe we should now is that they're, at the end, there's also part of when they're in a, analyzing it and the writer for Vanity Fair is saying, you know, in some ways she was taking advantage of him too because she needed the money. Like in the, in the beginning, mm-hmm. she thought, well, here's a sugar daddy perhaps. And the relationship they had wasn't really all that romantic that even though they were married. And so there was some, you know, that's dangerous in the victim blaming sort of territory. But in the same time, the way he explained it was like, I'm not saying this is the, what happened, but this is this is a possibility. And that maybe she was trying to get something out of him. Because he obviously told her that he had like a ton of money. Right. And they were talking about buying properties in New York City and the Hamptons. So he presented himself to her just like the Tinder swindler mm-hmm. as having a lot of money. And then, of course, like none of that ever happened. Right. But... She was in debt to the guy who originally owned her restaurant, and the Vanity Fair writer did float the idea 
she had talked to like a lawyer or a banker or something and they said, yeah, this guy could give you this money to pay off your debt to the original owner of the restaurant. If you're married, neither one of you will have to like pay any taxes on it or whatever. Whereas if you're not married, you know, then there's tax implications, blah, blah, blah. So that's why they got married. And the Vanity Fair writer did float the idea like maybe she was running a con on him first. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, but then it just spiraled out of control so quickly. Like he never like gave her any money, right? It it completely backfired if that was the intent. Yeah. Like I don't remember him ever giving her like maybe it might have mentioned like oh he gave her 10 grand here or there or something but that's like a drop in the bucket compared to what she owed and then she very quickly was having to wire him 65 grand 128 grand and Mm -hmm. what she gave him could have paid off the restaurant right so like if she was running a con initially like i don't it, it was, was a pretty poor con. Yeah, it was extremely poorly yeah. <laughs> thought out because that did not remotely turn out the way she thought it might have if that's what she was doing. Well, and she kept giving him the money, to be clear, because she thought it was a long-term investment that he was going to get her millions and millions and they were going to be set for the rest of their lives and they were going to be able to do whatever they wanted. I mean, all these promises that, oh, by the way, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Right. And so anyway... The, in, in terms of the format, in terms of the structure of right. the story, in terms of the filming, I thought it was really well done. I thought the uh, interviews were really well done. The, the people that they talked to, they didn't have Anthony Stranges in this other than second you know, video and stuff like that of that he had taken or anything like that. In other words, they didn't interview him. They requested to interview him and they didn't have him in here. Um, but I thought it was really well done. There's a lot of her in this and it seems mm-hmm. like it's almost... Uh, her show it's almost Mm -hmm. like a from her perspective it's not really down the middle because there's no i mean there's no middle (laughs) he totally took advantage of this i mean but it it would have been interesting to hear his perspective in the beginning like well from the only current interview type you know the only time we heard from him currently not like archival stuff was she called him at the beginning to say hey a documentary is being made and he flipped the F out yeah, he, on the phone and he he's just like, it, don't yeah. do it, blah, blah, blah. So that kind of guy is not going to be, he's not going to come on. And no. I mean, what's he, th- that kind of guy is also never going to admit like, yup, I'm not celestial. Well, and there was I can't also, make the dog immortal. There know? was also like not a lot of the, in some of the documentaries we've seen where they try to track these guys down and there's this fuzzy, there was no uh, tracking down of this guy. Like there was a photo of him in court, I think. Yeah. And yeah. there was a couple other things, and there was a little bit of video that he had taken, like I said. But there was no clandestine. We're going to try to record this guy on video, and it was kind of weird that I was thinking that he was dead or something like that because you we didn't have any real new footage of this guy, mm-hmm. and I don't know how hard they tried. The filmmakers tried to get this, um, but it would have been interesting to see the guy, what he's doing now, where is he? Because he's out of jail, right? I I was surprised that there wasn't like a scroll at the end saying, yeah, you know, he's currently, you know, back in Florida or whatever. Right. So and and again, it's not. I'm not defending this guy. I'm not taking a side or anything like that. It's just it's interesting that. He was very much depicted in this, but he wasn't actually a part of it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it sounds like he was a bad dude. So there's that. I mean, we know at least two women that he scammed, right? You know, money and stuff out of. And who knows? Like maybe like the puppet master, there could be, you know, tens of other victims out there that, right. you know, he's run a con on and they just haven't come forward because. Sarma was a media darling. Like she had mm-hmm. a lot of press mm-hmm. before all this exploded. So 
she just happens to be extremely high profile and he was able to get a lot of money out of her. But, you know, his poor first wife in Florida, nobody would know who the heck she is right. if not for Sarma. So right. who knows who else is out there? So uh, in a letter grade from uh, A to Z, <laughs> what would you give this, Coco, as far as a documentary and the presentation? and? Um, I liked it. I, mm-hmm. you know, I thought the episode lengths were spot on. They always, the first three always left you wanting more at the end. They mm-hmm. would cut it and we would be like, oh no, mm-hmm. like I, oh, I mm-hmm. want to watch the next one. And not but... really cheap gimmicks either. Like right, legit. totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the episode length I thought was great. Um, I didn't mind the reenactments. They weren't, I didn't feel like they were cheesy. Yeah. Um, I liked that they had like a lot of interviews with her coworkers and stuff, mm-hmm. like the people who worked at the restaurants. Um, and they're colorful characters too. Like that's yeah. why I like those kitchen, those kitchens in mm-hmm. New York, you know, like they're, those are really interesting people and yeah. they had a lot of those people and they had very unvarnished opinions about what happened. And I like yeah. that too. And they all variously tried to warn her, right. like they, their BS detectors went off like freaking immediately. Right. But anybody who was like, Hey, why is Anthony taking the cash to the bank? Like they would get fired. So right. Um, so I liked it. I thought it was well done. Uh, I would probably give it like a B plus. Oh, all right. Well, you know, I'm going to give it a seven. So right. you're not even going to ask me, yeah, but I, I would recommend it. Um, I think it's, it's for people who are interested in documentaries, obviously interested in like the true crime. If you've seen Tinder Swindler and you've seen the puppet master and you like those, you'll probably like this one too. Uh, different, same idea, taking it a little bit differently and, you know, high society kind of New York approach. Um, and I thought it was really cool to see New York again, actually. All those yeah. all those drone shots of New York. <laughs> right, I was like, totally. oh, man, I remember the last time we were in New York. I miss New York. But, yeah, no kidding. Um, but I recommend it. If you're interested in documentaries, I think this is definitely something worth watching. Yeah, for realsies. I, it was, you know, it's just depressing. Like it's sad, you know, it's, that's why when we did the episode on the Tinder swindler versus the puppet master, Mm -hmm. you preferred the puppet master and I preferred the Tinder swindler. And I preferred the Tinder swindler because the puppet master was just sad because he, yeah, he was draining money out of those people too. But like it was, he just had control over every aspect of their lives. Like people were being locked in bathrooms and stuff. And the Tinder swindler didn't have that, even though like that amount of debt would cause me to have like a massive panic attack. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't that level of control for that long with him. Like he was strictly in it for the money. And this guy was mostly in it for the money too, because like I said, gambling addict, but there was also that, you know, he isolated her from everybody. And, yeah. you know, so it, it was m- more depressing for me along the lines of the puppet master because she lost everything like mm-hmm. money and relationships and her business and i read uh, the original vanity fair writer did another like a follow-up article on her before the bad vegan documentary came out and i think it said she's like you know an administrative assistant now and i'm like she's never paying back six million (laughs) dollars on like admin salary right like especially in new york like you're trying to live in new york like no chance yeah no she's got like seven craigslist roommates now (laughs) (laughs) like for real so so it was just you know I understand she she said this at one point too and I completely understand this it's like the sunk cost fallacy because like you go along with this for so long and then something happens and you get to the point where you're like I can keep going along with this or I can realize that I've been conned Mm -hmm. and I've lost all this money and you know everything else that goes along with that and 
the realization that you've been conned is worse Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. just continuing to go along for the ride. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I I totally get where that comes from, you know. So it's just, it's sad. Are you you relating that in some way to our relationship? (laughs) Like, well, (laughs) just can't get out of it, so I might as well. Well, I've already... Six years in, all right. Uh, I guess I'm here. Yeah, well, yeah. stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, on that happy note, do you want to go out on a, like a, a King Lear or Hamlet uh, or Dr. Zhivago or anything like that for this one? No, I'm tapped out. Our uh, second podcast in one day, so I'm, I'm tapped out of references. Well, well, I thought this was uh, our best one of the, of the afternoon podcasts. Wow. Wow, that's good because it's the only one. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thanks for joining us, listener. We appreciate it for another episode of the podcast. I'm not Coco. And I'm not Dots. <laughs>